Guys, it's really good. I was really pleased to have that song that we've just sung, um, Not By Might. I was, um, I've been working with a team on the building and the development of this property and so forth. And I woke about, uh, probably about a week or ten days ago, with that verse just ringing through my brain, not by might, nor by power. And I believe that's the way um, it's going to come together for us. That uh, we're going to see God continue to do some absolutely amazing things. Guys, today I want to take us to a passage that has had a profound influence on me, probably changed my attitude to Jesus more than any other passage in the Bible. So if you've got your Bibles with you, um, just turn to, to Mark chapter 3, and if you've got, got your phones, you can flick it out. And we're going to look at the six verses. So it's a, it's a short passage. And uh, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll just read it. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in the front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed. But their stubborn hearts said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and the hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Do you know there's so much happening in there? You know, I grew up in a family that um, I don't ever remember seeing a Bible in our house. We did go to church till I was about six. And then back when I was 13 for about three months. My family wasn't particularly unreligious. But when I decided to follow Christ, I remember going home and, and saying, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I remember my, parent, my mother saying to me, you were born a Christian. And, and uh, no God has the right to loyalty to him above, above, above your family. You know, I, I actually felt, rightly or wrongly, that I was going to get thrown out of the family at that point in time. And as the years went by, um, it didn't particularly get any easier. You, you know, you don't have to be a Christian to go to. Yeah, sorry, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You know, or something like that. One of the. I'm not sure which way it goes, but you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That was a kind of thing I, I got and and um, so I guess the sense of um, I don't know being watched was something that I that I had in my family when I got into um, one of the jobs I had I was in a pastoral role I remember taking a um, an opposite stand at one stage and uh, it wasn't pleasant. And about 12 months later, the uh, the chickens were coming home to roost. Because what had happened was not turning out well. And I remember walking into this meeting and you could feel the atmosphere. Don't you dare say anything. Keep your mouth shut. What are you doing here? Was the kind of feeling... Had, and, and, and that's the situation... 
that Jesus walks into here. You see, there were some there that hadn't come to worship God. They'd come to look at Jesus and make sure he didn't do the wrong thing. You know, I've got to say this. It takes guts to walk into a situation you know you're not wanted. And I am so glad that, I, that, that the God of the Bible is a God who will do just that. He has a courage and a strength that I admire and I just I am so wrapped to follow him. Now, I'm still learning how to do it myself. <laughs> but, you know, to have someone who's given me that, that inspiration. You know, and if you want to talk about leadership and inspiration, maybe um, now's the time to kind of throw the latest stuff in. Um, I don't know if you're looking at the leadership styles of Ukraine versus Russia. Really interesting. You know, one is on the basis of power and position. I won't say which one that is. And one is on the basis of love and loyalty and, and you might say, goodness. I won't say the opposite, but, you know. Um, but it's just interesting, just looking at the, the way two nations are functioning at this point in time. Anyway, let's get back to our, our story. So the ver- verse 1 really just does one thing. It just says there was a man there with a shriveled hand. Now, in an agricultural community, which this was, you don't get the best jobs when you're disadvantaged like that. Therefore, it defines where you are in the community. It defines what you can do. It defines whether you can get a wife and a family, whether you can actually feed yourself. You don't... And, and, and Jesus walks in, and there was this man there. Now... He's unnamed, and particularly, he wasn't politically connected. Otherwise, the Herodians would never have treated Jesus that way. See, the the thing missing with the reaction in verse 6 is any sense of gratitude that someone has their life changed. You see, there they are. They, they, they They just want to kill him. They, they want to they destroy Jesus because someone got healed. Well, I'll tell you what. Evil works seven days a week and so must those who oppose it. And, and I guess what I'm saying there is someone who opposes it on the day they're not supposed to. I have an issue with, with working on, on Sundays. So I grew up on a town supply dairy farm where you milk cows every single day. And then I worked in a Christian camp. And you know, I found that the people coming in wanting to be fed that day didn't want to fast on Sunday. <laughs> so you know what? We had to work on Sunday. Anyway, uh, that's just a, a, a quick aside. So what Jesus does is he calls them up. By the way, that, that watching closely is like a doctor having a look at a disease or someone keeping an eye on a criminal or someone watching that you don't steal the wallet that I haven't got in my pocket, you know? 
Has someone done that already? <laughs> no, the wallet's in the car. <laughs> but what I'm saying there is, is that their attention, their attention wasn't on God. Their attention was on what Jesus wouldn't do or would do. See, they've got no question in their mind that Jesus ha- had power to heal. That, that wasn't an issue here. The issue was, would he, not could he? So Jesus asks this question. It's a massively fundamental question that we all live with. Which is lawful? Which is it? Tell me, which is it? Now he was a, do I say, stroppy kind of lad, if I'm allowed to say that of God. But which is it? Should I do good or should I do evil? Because you know what? Doing evil is as much work as doing good. And that's the point Jesus is trying to make with that question. Should I save life or should I kill? Now, Now what you find is they actually go out and plan how to destroy and kill Jesus immediately. So it's on the Sabbath. They're quite happy to go out and try and kill someone on the Sabbath. But for someone to come in and take an individual whose life has been wrecked and ruined, that's not right. You can't do good on Sunday, although they themselves were quite happy to pull their son out of a well or their or their ox out of a well, or their sheep out of a pit. That, that was fine. But you couldn't help a person in need. You know, some parts of our community care more about animals than the kids that are going hungry in our community, the kids that are beaten up. Man, this, this, that's, that's wrong. That, that is so wrong. And it's the kind of thing Jesus is standing against here. I love that. It inspires me. Oh yeah, it challenges me. It tells me I have to also learn some of those things. So, to that question, you know, they just remained silent. That, that question just didn't need to be answered in their mind. They had so little respect for Jesus that he wasn't even the kind of person that they wanted to give a response to. I mean, there's so much going on in this passage. Silence. You know, there was a song by Simon and Garfunkel, Silence is Golden. Well, there's times when you need to speak and there is times you need to remain silent, but this is a time to speak. However, Jesus' reaction... I don't know. Read, read verse 5. Just I'll, I'll let you read it for a second. Just He looked around at them. He looked around. And, and the actual word gives, gives you the sense of there was a flash of anger. There was a flash of anger. A flash of anger. But then there was this gut-wrenching revulsion 
I know it says deeply distressed, but I tell you, it's way stronger than that. There was this gut-wrenching revulsion that someone could look at someone else's disadvantage, a disadvantage they themselves did not have, and think that they should be left there. How can you do that? I mean, this is the Jesus. This is the Jesus I never knew. To use Philip Yancey's book title, the Jesus who will go to where he's not wanted to do what is not wanted by some, that someone might find a, might might find life. I don't know. This Jesus, I can follow. I want to follow. Man, I want to be like him, buddies. I, I want to have that same kind of attitudes. The attitudes that seize individuals who are in pain and hurting and bring them to a point where they know the God that I know, the God that I'm talking about here. Because the thing that distressed him wasn't the injury this man had had. It was the stubbornness or the blindness of hearts. I don't know if you've ever seen that in life. But, man, I can relate to that. You know, this, this couple of weeks ago, I was at a friend's funeral. Unfortunately, he's about 15 years younger than me, so it doesn't make me feel good. Okay? You know, when people that are younger than you die... You realize you're on borrowed time. So there's an element to it. But he was, I watched God take his life. Then I watched him lead his brother to faith. His brother has two kids now, has been a teacher, he's in IT, you know, those crazy computer things that I know nothing about. You know, I've I've got an on off switch and that's it. (laughs) But I've watched God take lives. And transform them. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's giving someone. And and for someone to sit there with two good hands and think that they don't have any responsibility. I mean, these are the leaders. You've only got to look at a passage like Ezekiel 34 where, where God says, you shepherd the people. You, you take advantage of every leadership role you've, you, thing you've got. You, you eat the curds. You clothe yourself on the wall. But you don't look after the people. And so I'm going to do you. I'm going to take you out. That kind of God. You know, it's, it's the God who, who said to Moses, I, I've heard. I've heard the cries of my people because of the slave drivers in Egypt. That's the God that we're talking about. It's not an Old Testament, New Testament distinction the god of the bible is a god who i don't know is care a big enough word he actually cares now i don't know if you've been in situations where man your heart just (laughs) you just want someone to come alongside and care you want someone to stand in the gap with you to be there man 
I've had situations where I have wept and wept because there's no one there and people that have tried. Now, that doesn't mean to say that I, I get everything right. I still remember I was asking my wife for the name of a lady um, that, that I knew some years back. Her name was Mabel. This particular Sunday morning, I, I come into church and there's this tramp person, you know, this person dressed as a tramp. She had this old coat on and she had, her hair was all over the place. The lipstick was everywhere, you know. She just looked so out of place, man. You know. And, and, and she's sitting in the seat and she's about two rows from the front. And she turns around like this and looks at everybody as they come in. I mean, you just don't do that in church, do you? You know, it's like there's, there's, there's certain rules in church. Anyway, um, she keeps seat, seated when the, when the music starts. And then as the preacher gets up, she shuffles along the seat and stands up. Oh, that's a no-no in church. And then she walks up to the pulpit and she passes a crumpled bit of paper to the, to the preacher who announces that she wants to sing a song. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm gracious, but there's kind of, I am so out of my depth here, you know. Do you know, she starts, uh, you, you should have seen the look on the, the, the pianist's face, man. It was just, it, 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 you would die for it, you know. It, it's, he was so horrified. Anyway, it was Amazing Grace, and so she started singing in this high, I could just about do a scratchy voice that, you know, and it sounded horrible. And as she got to the end of verse 1, she started taking off the, the scarf and, and, some, and the hat and so forth. And I recognized one of our singers from church. Do you know what the sermon was on that day? James, when someone comes into your church, just because they're rich, don't set them up the front. And just because they're poor, don't set them at the back. I have never forgotten that sermon, nor have I forgotten Mabel. <laughs> yeah, I have so much to learn. I have so much to learn to have these kind of attitudes. You see, Jesus didn't leave because of the animosity and anger. He didn't leave this man, who, by the way, has no name here in the text. Because he wasn't anybody different. He wasn't anybody special. He wasn't politically connected. Otherwise the Herodians would, would not have done what they did. He wasn't religiously connected because otherwise the Pharisees would have celebrated. No, he, he was a what some people would call a nobody. Someone that I don't really need to care for. However, Jesus doesn't seem that way. Jesus sees him as an individual who is worthy of his care, is worthy of his power. And I just, I don't know, I celebrate that. So, Jesus doesn't leave him. He heals him. And he heals him completely. He gives him back what he had lost 
and either an accident or an injury. It was um, in the in the uh, in, in the way the word, words are. It, it's not something that he was probably born with. He was something that he he had had happened to him, and it was a permanent situation. So basically, he was never going to have that hand back again. And Luke tells us it was a right hand. That's why I'm using this hand. Um, so, so the Pharisees go out to celebrate. No, they go out to plot how to get rid of Jesus. You know. Jesus was no fool. He knew what he was doing. And he knew the, what would necessarily happen when he did it. I don't know. But I'm inspired by that. You know, a country that spends $6 billion a year on military aid to try and tackle a country that spends $60 billion a year on, on military aid. You've got to be mad. Well, he's not doing too bad, the little guy. You know, David and Goliath. I think they've is, is, is they've they've talked about it before. But you know, I guess what I'm saying here is, behold your God. You can go to Him because one, He understands when life gets tough. Man, He has an understanding of your situation deeply, probably way more than you'll ever, ever know. But he's been there. He's been there. And he's been there and he's fought for every one of us with the same passion that he fought for this guy. You know, the the guy never promised to follow Jesus if he was healed. Jesus didn't need the that if I heal you, will you, you know, will you do this and to pay me back? There was no cause and effect. There was no um, payment. There was no money transferred. It was simply, I have the ability to step into the gap that is here right now, and I'm going to do it. I don't care the cost on me. By the way, if you read on in Mark, what happens is Jesus Jesus gets out of here. Why? It's too hot. Jesus, because of this situation, needed to get himself out of the situation before he got lynched. That kind of commitment to you and I. Amen. I don't know if Jesus is the kind of individual you want to follow, but I sure do. I... I, (laughs) He inspires me. Yeah, he challenges me. So hopefully, some of what I've said today has been helpful. But behold your God. It's, he's, he's great. He's mighty. He has power. But he also has an understanding of the situations in life we get to that are difficult and sometimes damning. And boy, does he know individuals that will say one thing and do another, and they just want something for themselves. And I tell you what, he still looks around in anger. But his heart is wrenched 
within for those that don't care for others. You know, I learned something when my dad died. I was 21, It was uh, my dad was 47, and I remember thinking as I walked out of his room, um, life is a gift. I live in a world where life's a right. These guys who opposed Jesus thought they had rights. No, we have gifts. Let's share them around. Let's share them around. God bless you all.